Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Wednesday. We've got a great show lined up for you, and I hope that wherever you are right now, you're happy, healthy, and safe. As we uh, carry on with our conversation, man, so many things that uh, Joan was talking about during her show, but I just, I really catch my breath every time I think about what Republicans have done over, not just uh, since Trump won, but really for decades of harnessing fear, manipulating people through rage. And, uh, and we're at the point now where Republicans are colluding with Russian assets, in order to try to bring down the president of the United States and our democracy. I mean, that's, that's the way I am looking at this. Uh, just in the absurdity, we're going to talk a little bit to, uh, former federal prosecutor Mike, Michael Stern about, uh, about the, uh, the witness that the DOJ and the Republicans have been relying on, uh, you know, because testimony, uh, witness testimony is evidence and, uh, that's what they've been using, uh, for over a year. And, and, and so many crazy things. So we'll talk to Michael Stern about that. And, uh, I, I and more people, seem to be waking up to the story that I've been talking about since the ruling came down uh, in Alabama, their Supreme Court determining, ruling, ruling that embryos are people and that destroying those embryos, those cells that are about six days old, uh, that that is a cause for anybody who has lost an embryo in an IVF clinic it is cause for suing for wrongful death. Oh, my God. I mean, the implications of all of this. And by the way, for people who continue to think, well, you know, as long as Trump doesn't win, if, if you know, if something happens and he can't run and I'm, I'm good with Nikki Haley, she sounds like she has a good head on her, on her shoulders. She agrees with the ruling in Alabama that embryos are people. We just we are in we are in upside down land territory, folks. The Supreme Court, in their ruling of Alabama, wrote that the that God made us in His likeness, and that life begins at conception. Which, so, it really is the absolute epitome of being. It is asinine logic uh, because there is that's your theocracy that is not based in science or reality and there are now clinics not just in Alabama well in Alabama there are clinics that have ceased operate they're they're going to pause any sort of treatment for people who are seeking IVF treatment now remember we've talked about this uh, a couple times this week and why people turn to IVF they struggle with getting pregnant they want to um, they want to be able to and it can be because maybe the the woman who wants to be a mo- mother is battling cancer, and right now uh, she's not strong enough. She's going through treatments. Um, she wants to be, able, but she wants to be able to save as many healthy cells as possible. I mean, if, if you're saying that that cells have electricity in them, energy in them, right? Well, then that's true of any living organism. Then you have to have then then ever, and that's fine. I mean, there are people who believe that plants have feelings. Right. So I'm just saying, we took this, but to say that there are people, they have the potential to be people someday, uh, but are we going to register every embryo with a social, social security number? 
it, it is really beyond absurd. And uh, this is what Republicans want to lead us toward in addition to their collusion with Putin. And I was listening to that conversation that uh, Joan was having with Professor Joe Ostro about uh, how they have enmeshed themselves. The, the Russians have taken this tool. And remember, Facebook was started because this kid just wanted to be able to hang out with hot chicks. They wanted to have a rating system for girls. They wanted to get laid. And here we are, and it has a direct impact on our very existence. Because Russians were able to hire troll farms. And and, and the thing was that, that we, look, we participated in this before we started realizing, oh, wait a minute, you know, if we, just because we see something online doesn't make it true. If you're not doing the extra step, if you see a meme or a reference or an article, there are ways to you. If you see something published, let's say it's the Daily Mail, you can you can Google that and say, is that you know, is that an unbiased publication? Does it? You can Google, is it conservative? Is it liberal? Is it unbiased? And there are websites that have ratings for every pretty much every publication that's out there. And if you see someone just put it, what they they project to be a truth. Uh, Google that and and then find sources that you recognize and uh, that you feel comfortable going, okay, this sounds like do a little bit more research. I know it sounds like work, but just we have entire computers in our pockets, in our purses, in our bags, on our tables. If you know everything that if I guess if it feeds into your uh, pre-existing assumptions, your beliefs, then we just take that on its face value. We have to be better about this. And I don't know if it's too late, honestly. Because there are so many people that already believe, right, that lie about Hunter Biden, that there was a witness who said that they were doing things and making deals that benefited Joe Biden and Joe Biden was doing things to make sure that there were more money was being made by his family members. That story, that lie has already gone around the world many, many times because Fox News had featured that witness who is now being indicted for lying and making it all up, manipulating and working for Russia. <laughs> Uh, that story was that guy was featured 85 times on Fox News and they still Sean Hannity still upset yesterday that they can't continue to, to perpetuate the lie well, what about that picture with the with the cocaine oh what do you mean so it doesn't look like sawdust to me and then they find out that it's it is in fact sawdust it's just absolute madness let's see what what's on your mind Jim What's on your mind? Oh, the, yes, there is good news today. What's what's the good news of the day, Jim? It's long forgiveness for students around the country, and I intend to do more. And the Republicans are going wild over it. Tom Cotton and uh, Senator Blackburn. And, uh, why are we forgiving long? <laughs> why are we doing that? I know. What a what a what a. I mean, this is this is a party that's. Absolutely, Ebenezer Scrooge in, in spades. I mean, law forgiveness. Think about it, Patty. You're giving an individual the opportunity to get a halfway decent job and maybe make a little progress in life. There's such a you know, family, aren't they family orientated party? Or they're all for the family? Well, I would say it's just a young person starting a family. That would be a lovely thing if you have some of your uh, college loans were given. Now that family, the the part, the, the party of family values was just something to make them. Was just a branding. It's just marketing. It's not. It's not legit at all. No, 
Well, obviously, because anything you do for the family, they, they're, 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 they're against it. Uh, you know, raising wages or unions or anything along those lines that you are, you know, you could feed a family. But real quick, another thing is Hunter Biden, as a result of this uh, liar in the Congress, he's getting his case looked at again because that was a direct result of this liars too. Those two charges, the gun charge right. and the income tax charge. So I think that Hunter will beat it on, on, on that scale. And then, believe it or not, they had Jim Biden in there, uh, yeah. Joe Biden's brother. I, you know, I love the Bidens because they're not afraid to go in and testify. Yeah. They'll go and testify on a Bible and swear on a Bible where the Republicans would never do it. Jordan or any of the other Republicans would never uh, open themselves up to uh, interrogation. No. It's just, uh, anyway, it's so clear-cut what we're up against in the country that, anyway, I'm glad I'm a Democrat, and I'm glad you're a Democrat. <laughs> you got a good show, and you got a good show, and it sounds really good today. Thank you, Patty. Thank Take you so care. much, Jim. Take care. Let's get to uh, Brian and Joliet. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, uh, uh, thank you for taking my call, Patty, and I agree with you on this ruling in Alabama. I think... Uh, uh, if uh, this goes back uh, to a, a continuing uh, extension of the uh, uh, barbarism where if a woman is going to die or she's raped or uh, the situation uh, where she needs an abortion, and now they're uh, ruling that uh, uh, in Alabama, um, uh, what do you see as the end game of this? They want to limit the ability of because, as I mentioned, you know, the the, uh, treatment for fertility is often uh, women who maybe want to wait until a later time. Uh, Couples who are struggling to to get pregnant, a woman who is battling an illness and and wants to wait till she's healthy enough to have kids and gay couples. uh, They they want well, they also want to eliminate uh, birth control. They want all of the things that help the people that they don't want to help older women, uh, women who might have had an illness. Oh, uh, they, oh, they want to eliminate. Yeah, they want to eliminate birth control as well. They don't want to have anything that you know doesn't naturally occur of, of, of insemination and you know whether it's abortion, uh, infertile infertility treatments, and preventing a woman from getting pregnant. They want to get rid of all. Is it, I know it, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. The IVF thing doesn't make sense. But there it is. They don't want any sort of uh, you know anything that has science. That's that's too icky for them. And they, they want they want to diminish the ability of people to ha- to have control and autonomy over their own bodies. Well, I think their uh, this. Yeah, I, I uh, well, I agree with you, and I think it's uh, a shame who's ever saying it and doing it. Uh, what they're not talking about is uh, uh, these uh, eminent divines. I consider myself very religious. However, uh, there are eminent divines out there who believe that uh, uh, they talk and talk and talk against any kind of abortion, yet they never speak about how to end all poverty, homelessness, nope. and how to take care of these children that are going to be forced to be born, and then how are they going to be taken care of their fundamental human needs? That is not their, that's not their concern. I'm livid. Yep. I'm livid. Yep, as you should be. Thank you. I appreciate it, Brian. Have a Thank good night. Thank you, Patty. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to uh, catch up. Uh, Alejandro, I just sent you uh, info for Michael Stern. We're going to talk to federal former federal prosecutor Michael Stern. Roosevelt, I'll try to get your call in a little bit. Uh, we're going to check in with uh, Mike to see what's going on. Michael's going, uh, what, what's it? 
what's his focus? Uh, what's he's been? What's drawing his attention and his ire? Because I know I got a long list. More after this on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT eight twenty. Earlier today, I reached out to our for, our friend, former federal prosecutor Mark, Michael Stern, who's also a columnist uh, for Huffington Post, USA Today, Tribune, all the uh, great publications out there. And uh, so, what do you, he asked what I wanted to talk about. And really, Michael, it's just generally whatever the last thing is that ticks me off. <laughs> so, Patty, yes. like me, Patty, so many things tick us both off. So, yeah. On. Yeah, well, let's let's go with what you ta- what you mentioned, which is this uh, witness for Republicans who now turns out to basically be a Russian asset, Smirnov. Uh, but what what would you, okay, as a former federal prosecutor, if you're doing if you have witnesses, uh, at what point have you like sniffed out? Okay, this isn't going in the right direction. We should probably back off of this. Do you have you ever had those moments? Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, people people who are informants, and I dealt with them all the time. You know, during my 25 years at DOJ. People all the time have an incentive if they've been involved in criminal activity themselves or if they're looking for money from a federal agency that's doing an investigation. They have an incentive to not tell you the truth. So, you know, I understand that. Every other federal prosecutor understands that. And you have to look for facts that either corroborate or or show that the person is lacking in credibility. And, you know, sometimes it's very clear because you have a wiretap and they're on the wiretap and they're basically telling you and fleshing out, you know, what what you've heard on the wiretap. Sometimes you have other witnesses that say the same thing. And so they offer cooperation. And so the likelihood increases that they're telling the truth. Um, you know, sometimes you have your own undercover into them and, and what they're telling you you've seen done. So you look for other things to to cooperate what they're telling you. And while you can, you you frequently do not make a decision to essentially develop an entire case based on an informant. It's not that it hasn't happened. It's that you have to be very careful about that. Um, and it looks like much, certainly much of this impeachment hearing that's going on with Comer and Jordan um, has been premised on Alexander Smirnov, who now not only uh, have we discovered has been indicted for lying, for being a liar and saying that the Bidens were involved in things that they were not, but that he was that he was put up to it and given this fake information, this these false allegations by by, you know, Russian operatives. And so basically what you've got when you strip it all away is you've got an impeachment hearing that's taking place on the president of the United States, Joe Biden, that has been created and supported by a Russian operation against Joe Biden. And this is what members of Congress are spending their time on and and losing their own credibility on. It's not just Smirnov that that lost credibility. It's the members, the, the Republican members of Congress who have been pushing this impeachment proceeding against Joe Biden. They've lost credibility. And the thing is, in regardless of what happens next, that they, they have they have nothing and they refuse to back down. Fox News has run with the story about this informant. I think it was like over 85 stories. And they're not going to run 85 stories saying, well, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. We didn't mean it. We didn't know. We, you know, the, 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 the lie. What's the Mark Twain quote? The lie has gone around the world before the truth puts its shoes on. Yeah, I mean, you can indoctrinate people, particularly people, you know, like the MAGA crowd, the Trump supporters, 
and and you know uh, and far right Republicans who are looking to be indoctrinated. So it doesn't take a lot for them to believe insane types of things. And when you've got members of Congress pushing this, um, you know they believe it. And so even now that that you know it's been shown to be false, at least by way of an indictment that was presented by a Republican special prosecutor. It wasn't like it was DOJ Merrick Garland. It was a Republican special prosecutor who indicted uh, Alexander Smirnoff for lying about Joe Biden. The bell is never going to be unrung. No. So you've got probably millions of people who believe the false allegations, provably false allegations, that have been made about Biden. And, you know, watch. They will parrot these these allegations, you know, these lies back from now until the election. Yeah, I, I was at uh, just the stupidest thing. I, I was a lifeguard here in Chicago, right? And we have like all the guards going back. I mean, we had guards, uh, you know, at this reunion that were like in their 70s and 80s. And I and I try so hard, Michael, when I'm around people that we have a shared be sort of common interest or whatever to not get into an argument. Right. But this guy's going on. He's like in his 70s talking about by the Biden family are, are crooks and they they're grifters. I'm like, oh, my God, everything you're saying is the Trump family. Every single thing. Right. Yeah. It's the projection. It's the MAGA projection that all of the things that Trump actually has done and has been credibly accused of doing and has been indicted by a federal grand jury and state grand juries for doing, they attribute to Biden. It's this strange type of, you know, um, dementia that they get that's completely untethered to the truth. And it's so frustrating for those of us who actually look at the evidence. You know, I mean, I made my living for, for you know, more than two decades looking at evidence to see whether or not it would support uh, an allegation that I was making when I was with DOJ. But these people don't do that. And it's extremely frustrating because these are also the people that undoubtedly will go to the polls with with lies in their head, with these false allegations, and will vote based on them. But again, part of that is, I think, because they want to believe this. They have an inclination and they look for ways to support, you know, the the political bent that they've already got. The problem is that normally you would expect members of Congress to focus on actual facts and actual evidence and actual law and disabuse them of of the lies. But instead, what you've got is currently a GOP Congress that is churning out the lies. It's like they're they're a fabrication factory. Yeah, and they really are. And do you someone just texted, Patty, the Republicans already knew this guy was lying. Uh, I mean, they they might have. And to your point, you just said, you know, they, they people will seek out the lie that be- best fits their narrative or fits with what they already believe and want to be true. Right. 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 Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, now, whether or not, you know, whether or not the special prosecutor has known that Smirnov was lying and for how long, I don't know. I mean, I have to give some measure of credit to David Weiss for actually being a Republican, um, already being under pressure because of the original deal that he cut with Hunter Biden, which was a perfectly reasonable deal, but already being under pressure from, you know, the Republican members of Congress and then indicting Smirnov and basically blowing up the impeachment case against Joe Biden. I mean, he does deserve some credit for that. And I think that we should acknowledge that. Okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. Grudgingly, grudgingly, I know. 
can can Hunter Biden because he still has his own charges that he has to uh, now also go into legal deliberations on? Is he going to go to court with this? Can they say? Can his lawyers say? Look, the, the lies uh, have really tainted any sort of uh, unbiased uh, ability for a jury or a judge to even to talk about this case. Is there any any avenue for that? Yeah, they can do it. Will it work? The answer is no. I mean, Hunter Biden's problems, let's just take, you know, there are two problems. There's a gun charge and there's a tax charge. And the, you know, and neither of them are directly connected to the false allegations that came from Alexander Smirnoff. And so, you know, what Hunter Biden's attorney will probably do is sort of what you just said and say, it doesn't matter that the charges, the tax charge or the gun charge is unrelated to, you know, is unrelated to Smirnoff. The reality is, you know, that he has so infected the jury pool that they won't be able to consider the facts and the evidence on on the unrelated charges, the gun and the tax charge. And consequently, we're asking you to dismiss this because he can't get a fair trial. And, you know, it it won't work and it shouldn't work. Um, But it is extremely frustrating because it is true that jurors get, you know, jurors say and are told that they're not supposed to look at anything extraneous. But the reality is the jurors are human beings and human beings have a very difficult time in compartmentalizing, you know, what they have learned outside the court and what they've learned inside the court, particularly when the case relates to a political figure or a celebrity or someone they may be disinclined to like already because of his connection to a politician that they don't like. Yeah. And, and you know, he's we uh, clearly has had a troubled uh, recent few years. So it's, uh, you know, there are things he has to, to still deal with. Uh, I, I also told you I wanted to talk about this crazy case in Alabama with a Supreme Court yeah. that, I mean, it's a theocracy. They're saying that I didn't know that every cell, clump of cells is in the likeness of God. I just, I can't, the, the cells are people. Is that what we're going with? Yeah. So, so let's, you know, let's just break it down for people who might not have taken a look at the articles. The Alabama Supreme Court has now indicated that a frozen embryo is essentially the same in the law under the law as a person. So destruction of frozen embryos, I mean, you could you could play this out. If a frozen embryo in a fertility clinic, which was, in this case, it was a civil suit because there was an accidental destruction of a couple's frozen embryo, and they sued, and shockingly, the Alabama Supreme Court said, well, frozen embryos are the same thing as human beings. I mean, this could be played out in a way that would allow for criminal prosecution and imprisonment under murder statutes if a frozen embryo in a test tube is considered to be a human being. It is stunning, and it is scary, and it is the closest that I think, you know, I've seen a court case come down, at least in the recent past, that would be sort of the equivalent of The Handmaid's Tale, Gilead. You know, it's just... It's an insane type of thing. And not only was the opinion um, wrong in the conclusion that a frozen embryo is is a person, but the the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court wrote a concurring opinion, not the majority opinion, but a concurring opinion, citing the Bible and and saying things like, um, you know, anyone who destroys a life, including a frozen embryo, will be subject to the wrath of God. I mean, oh, my God. 
Yeah, it is like we are turning into a theocracy, which is the opposite of what the United States was designed to be. You know, people don't seem to understand that frequently, or at least the MAGA crowd doesn't understand that. But this system of government, American democracy, was designed to protect against the Bible being used as a set of laws. There are laws that are passed by Congress, and Congress is created by people uh, who democratically vote to put them there, to represent them. And all of that is being stripped away um, with the idea that the Alabama Supreme Court is citing biblical passages in order to support their position on on political and social and cultural issues. It's stunning. I mean, it just, it, it's stunning, it's scary, it's all those other words that could be used to describe a horrific situation that we're currently in. Well, and on top of that, I mean, I, I did a little bit of digging, and there, there could be an estimated 1.5 million embryos being stored right now. And so, and, and they can survive for a hundred years. We don't know yet. The oldest, uh, you know, implanted embryo is at thirty years, about two years ago. Uh, so, um, what, what, so what's the plan if they're PA, You know, Nikki Haley has come out in support of Alabama's uh, decision. And I was telling the audience for people who are like, I don't know, she seems like she's got a good head on her shoulders. What, what's no? The, Nikki no. Haley is Trump light. Yes, and you know, the lighter version is maybe not as bad. Uh, but it is really bad nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's just horrific. So, I mean, to your question, I don't know the answer. I don't know if if some prosecutor in Alabama is going to decide that if a couple decides that they don't want to proceed with, you know, frozen embryos that they have and they're destroyed. I mean, they're clump of cells in a test tube. It's, it's a fertilized a fertilized embryo, uh, you know, will they be charged with murder? Because the Alabama Supreme Court just said that an embryo is the same thing as, as a human being. And it, the, you know, the possibilities are terrifying. Yeah, because, I, again, in my research, I found out that there are people who just decide that they're not going to use the eggs. They stop paying for storage. And then right. but the clinics don't want to they, they don't know what to do because they there's there's it's such a weird territory. But now the decision has been made in Alabama and clinics are like, well, we're not going to take out a new patient. It's, it's it's horrifying on so many levels. And then, you know, when you say Handmaid's Tale, I mean, if we're in a dystopian future, then there's forced, you know, implantation of women who haven't had babies yet. I'm sorry, folks. I don't know where else. With a lot, of, we have 1.5 million embryos that we're just supposed to sustain, and I, and then there's dark jokes about visitation and uh, paying, uh, you know, child support, all the things. But uh, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. I don't know where it's going to go, and I I've, I've been thinking, you know, how could this be rectified? Is there some U.S. Supreme Court precedent that could undo this? Because typically, you know, when a state court comes up with some type of a crazy ruling like this, you look to the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court, to try and correct it. But number one, I, I don't know that there is some ruling that could change it. I mean, there would have to be, you know, there would have to be some assessment by the Supreme Court that individual right to 
privacy and individual, you know, individual rights would somehow trump the ability of the state to mandate that an embryo of a couple that they don't want to keep be maintained or be subjected to, you know, to, to criminal punishment. But the problem is that even if there would be some rubric, you know, that, that would support that analysis and decision, this conservative Supreme Court's not going to have any interest in doing it. I mean, Trump has appointed a third of the Supreme Court, and you've got six extremely conservative justices who who got rid of Roe versus Wade. I mean, you know, the expectation that they're going to come in and save the day like the Supreme Court has historically in so many instances is just wrong. I just don't see it happening here. Unbelievable. Uh, oh my, yeah, it's my head hurts. Someone just texted, how close are we to the disposal of unfertilized eggs or male ejaculate as murder? Yeah, that's well, there's that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if the if the frozen embryo is now considered a person, uh, you know, then maybe the components would be considered a person. It's crazy because it's like saying, you know, there's a penny in my piggy bank. A penny is a dollar. No, a penny is not a dollar, despite the fact that over a period of time, you may deposit another 99 cents, a penny isn't a dollar. And and the Supreme Court saying that an embryo that's frozen is a human being is sort of that crazy. Yeah, it's absolute madness. We're talking to Michael Stern, former federal prosecutor. You can follow him on Twitter. He's also a columnist. You can read regularly and, and all the publications uh, when he's got something he wants to say. He says it so well. And uh, you told me you have an obsession that you want to tell us about that is not politically. Oh, good God. Yes. I'm embarrassed almost because my friends are now, they found it entertaining originally, and now they're turning against me because it's all I'm talking about and all I'm reading. I want to know. So, and, and I... And I am not affiliated with this product in any way. I've just become obsessed with it. There's an ice cream maker machine that's called the Ninja Creamy. And a couple of of people that I know had it, and they were making their own homemade ice cream. And, you know, they were talking about the fact you could make any flavor you wanted. You could experiment. You know, you could be an artist with ice cream. You could make it low fat. You could make it low sugar. And so I broke down and bought a Ninja Creamy. And that is all I am doing now. It's like my life has become the Ninja Creamy ice cream production, you know, trying slight variations of different flavors. This looks good. I pulled up lowering. Yes, go ahead. No, no, it's crazy. And there is a Facebook group now called the Ninja Creamy Community with 300,000 people. (laughs) And and listen, I joined it a week ago, and within two days, there is now a note next to my name saying, top contributor. (laughs) Patty, in two days, (laughs) I became a Ninja Creamy Facebook top contributor. Amazing. That tells you the level of obsession that we are dealing with. And, and you know, people do not like it when you send them beautiful pictures of mouth-watering ice cream that you've made, and they can't have any because they live in a different state. You find out very quickly the measure of tolerance your friends have for your obsessions. This is fantastic. Now, have you done one? One of the things I've seen on social media is making like a high-protein ice cream out of cottage cheese. Have you done this? I yes, I add and cottage cheese now. I've only been I've only been adding a couple tablespoons of cottage cheese because the cottage cheese acts as like a binder. It gets all broken down and mixed in with the other ingredients, and it adds like sort of a, a heft or a thickness and a creaminess to the ice cream. I have not done like a cup of cottage cheese. I've only added two tablespoons at a time, and 
It actually really helps, and you don't taste the cottage cheese at all. And you get your protein in it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You get your protein in it. But, but, Patty, I didn't know this. Clearly, you have been looking up the Ninja Creamy <laughs> 2 because you know about the cottage cheese. Yes. How, clo- how close are you to developing your own obsession is what I'd like to I know. I don't have enough counter space. I've always, I've wanted an air fryer, and the best I could do is get like a cookie tray that has sort of this propped-up metal thing, so it kind of gives me the air fryer. Oh, no, no. I know. Do not get me started on the air fryer. <laughs> do not get me No, I'm serious. Do not get me started on the air I'm on my third air fryer. I love the air. I, I absolutely adore the air fryer. Everything gets cooked now in an air fryer. Someone could haul away my oven, and it wouldn't bother me. But the little air fryer that sits on my counter, there would be hell to pay if that disappeared. Uh, I, I love that thing. That's so funny. Well, I will, uh, I'll, just, I'll have to uh, hunt you down in the uh, Ninja Creamy fan, the Facebook pages and uh, look for the top contributor, Michael J. Stern, folks. I love it. <laughs> if you, listen, if you get a Ninja Creamy at some point, contact me. I will. And I will give you hours and hours and hours of the experimentation. You will reap the benefit of all my crazy experimentation with, with good new recipes. I, now, you have me intrigued and I'm excited and my husband's listening right now going, you can't have that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've got, now I figured out a coconut uh, ice cream recipe that's fantastic, a pistachio one, and last night I made a coffee ice cream, and it's like, you know, I, I've done... 15 quarts to get to the exact right recipe, but I'm there now. And so, you know, there's some measure of satisfaction. This is what happens. You know, I I used to prosecute uh, organized crime leaders and murderers and, you know, child molesters and rapists, and I would send them to prison. And now I'm obsessed with the Ninja Creamy. It's just, it's the spectrum from where I've come and where I am now is just making me sad talking about it, I think. Uh, no, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and my listeners are asking if, you, if you've put in uh, protein powder. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of folks that uh, are excited about the, uh, the prospect of making their own homemade ice cream, by the way. So we'll have to check in and see what uh, listeners end up buying if they do get a Ninja Creamy and uh, join the, the online pages with you. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, love your, I love your obsession. Ice cream is a happy making thing and, and icy treats and creamy treats. It's all good stuff. So I'm glad you shared that it with is. us. I, I love it. If I, you know, reach out to Patty if you want some good suggestions and recipes. There but it's go. a fantastic machine, and and I've quite enjoyed it. Outstanding. Well, Michael, we look forward to talking to you again soon in a few weeks. Uh, but if anything comes up, and I've told you before, if you just want to call in and go, I, I've got to speak my piece. Uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. Thanks, Patty. Thank, I appreciate it. Thank you. Go make some ice cream now. <laughs> Thank, you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Follow him on Twitter and read the great work that he does. He's always got wonderful thoughts, and uh, he, he, and he's as outraged as we are. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. 
last year, towards uh, I think sometime in the fall, I just remember it being a lovely evening when uh, Rick, our friend Rick Geezer, who was running for a uh, commissioner uh, for the Forest Preserve of DuPage, invited me out to do a comedy show and fundraiser uh, along with Bobcat Goldthwait. And when I was there, I interviewed some of the candidates and some of the electeds out there. And uh, one of them was Martin McManaman. Ma- nope, I don't got it, Martin. McManaman. McManaman. I, I have to hear it once. I can read it, and it's still going to trip me up. Uh, we are so thrilled to have you in studio with us. And, uh, Thank you. I know that you've got a lot going on. We've got important races. There's primaries coming up. And uh, we want to talk about Wayne Township. So tell us a little bit about what's going, what's going on up in Wayne Township. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me out. And uh, Wayne Township has uh, really changed over the last few years. Um, DuPage County in general has changed. It's gone from no Democratic elected officials to almost all our um, our state seats and uh, uh, c- congressional seats and some of our local seats. Our DuPage County Board is now Democratic majority. Um, Wayne Township has quite a, has a few people who we've gotten elected. Greg Schwarze is on the county board from Wayne Township. Um, myself, I'm the highway commissioner in Wayne Township. Ten years ago, I was the first uh, Democrat to get elected into township government in DuPage County. Uh, for the first four years, it was just me. Since then, a few other townships have gotten some people. Naperville Township managed to get a full slate. So we've had some big, big uh, gains in, in, in the township Um over the last few years, what were some of the what were some of the things that sort of were, were the shift that you saw with people going? You know what, this isn't working. We need to start looking at what Democrats are doing, and and you know because the thing about politics is it's about having conversations, about debating, and winning with ideas. What were some of the ideas you think were appealing to folks in Wayne Township? You know that that is just an awesome uh, uh, point. So I think one of the biggest things is Democrats went door to door. And talk to the people. And out in our township, most of the houses are paying in the close to $10,000 a year for property tax. Mm. And when you're paying that kind of money and you're just you're not like rich people, when you're paying that kind of money, you start paying attention. And if the Democrat has something to offer, which the Republicans just didn't, it was just all Republicans. It was the good old boys club. Everybody, you get elected, you stay there forever. And for me, the, the highway commissioner, they just wanted to get rid of he was he was just terrible. So they were willing to put a dem in, and they thought, oh, we'll put him in for four years and he'll leave. But it isn't the case because you go in. I built roads my whole life. I come in as a highway commissioner. I'm the only highway commissioner in DuPage County who's ever built a road or has knowledge of how to build the roads. And people see that and they like it. Yeah. So the next election, it was uh, the 2017. It was a big to do about um, uh, the Republican Party sent lots of money and, and they were pushing. He's not a Republican. He's not a Republican. But people didn't care. They just cared that the roads were getting fixed and there were no potholes and, and things were getting done. So I won in 2017. 21, it was the same thing again. People want, they want a worker and they want somebody who's going to do the job. And we have that in our Democrats. We have great local Democrats on the county board right now. I mentioned Greg Schwarze, uh, Liz Chaplin, who's on the county board, who's running for recorder right now. Uh, these people are just workers who do it. Deb Conroy, who is the chair of the, of the DuPage County Board right now which is the first time we've ever had a woman and a Democrat in charge of that position. And just doing a wonderful job. She's got everybody in place. Even the Republicans are like, wow, we can't believe how things are going so well right now in DuPage County with Democratic leadership. And 
It's just, it's really pouring out. People see it, residents see it. We go to the doors and you talk to the people and they don't. They think it's all supposed to be handed to them Mm -hmm. and they're paying the price and we're benefiting from it. And one of the things you said was that the Republicans, basically they were campaigning on they're not a Republican, as though just the letter next to your name should be enough to convince people, but doing the work and and showing results is the big part of it. And Democrats, but we also talk about how that's what Democrats need to follow that pattern of tell the story of what we're going to do and then show the results and then let people know this is what we accomplished. Yeah. uh, Shame on the Democrats for their messaging because they are the workers they are doing it, but those Republicans can tell a story like nobody can tell a story, and that's sad. Um, we're just—I think it's an ego. I mean, like I don't know about shame on Democrats because I just—it's mm-hmm. because when you're doing the work, you're not as invested, even though we should be, right? Yes, well, let's take let's our encourage. president as an example. I mean, he's done more than just about any president ever in history in, in his short time. He's only there three years, just three years now, and he's done so many things, yeah. so many things, and he doesn't get the credit for it. And the Democrats themselves aren't selling this message. I mean, he's done everything. Even today, he just gave—he he just. Just passed the bill. They gave all these college kids the money that they were looking for because they needed it because they were getting starved out by, you know, college debt. So all these things we do. But you get this this incredible Republican machine, this Fox News, this Rupert Murdoch just jamming it down your throat. He's old. He's this. It's like, oh, my God, the guy couldn't possibly do more. We couldn't have had more uh, bills passed. Over the land, it's just impossible. He, he got everything through he needed to, and he'll get his immigration thing through, and he'll get uh, other things through too. It's going to take a little while now that they got that um, that new. Uh, I'm sorry, the um, new chair of the um, Republican Party. Um, oh yeah, who, who the, did have they named new chair? No, I'm sorry, the um, Speaker Johnson in the House. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. Yes, no, no, no. Yes. he took a two week break and went down to Mar-a-Lago because yes. they couldn't get anything accomplished. And his nice religious flag out there. Isn't yeah, that crazy? I mean, that's, that's really in the Constitution, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that nuts? Now, when we spoke last time, I think that we talked a little bit about you know one of the things that I think Democrats are, are seeing and harnessing better is labor rights. You mentioned uh, students who are going to have this debt relief now. Uh, the president announced this morning more uh, you know. Uh, absolving students of the debt because people are like, oh, I had to pay mine off. But we're not living you, – you, the amount of money, let's say someone my age at 52 years old has been able to earn, how much college cost when I went to school 30 years ago is not the same thing we're looking at now. Wages have not kept up. Uh, insurance costs a lot more. And the cost of college is incredibly high. And a lot of these students are paying – like not even paying the principal anymore. They're still trying to pay off the interest on it. It's it's maddening. Um, and I – like. The cost of living is is crushing for younger people. They're, they don't see having a path forward. But I think that labor has been a big, uh, I think, a, a big driving force right now with, with what we saw in, in the last year. And I know that you've worked with, with union members. I mean, I think that's really where we need to make sure that people are focusing on uh, is making sure that workers have know their rights and have access to their rights, right? Exactly. And again, Joe Biden, look at what he's done for, for even in states like Arizona who are completely non-union. 
union. Now they're going to build these factories to make the chips, but they have to be union workers. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? So the people are going to make a decent wage, and they're going to go spend that money in their communities, yes. and the entire community is going to grow. That's just an awful thing. I mean, it's just so bad in a Republican standpoint, but the Republicans don't want to do that. Oh, we should pay you $5 an hour, and then, and i got to go a little further, worst law I ever heard is when Donald Trump said, if you want to get food stamps, you have to work. If you work, your employer surely should pay you enough to eat. I mean, let's be for real. The only people who should get uh, the your employer should be made to pay you that uh, money. Mm-hmm. So if you need food stamps and you're working, that is just like the worst. I, I, I can't even believe that's an American thing that you would even say that. You I, know? There's a I think it's like 40 percent. I, I saw uh, this conversation about uh, the percentage of Walmart and McDonald's employees and like the massive amounts of profits they make and yet 40% of their employees are on benefits. When you apply at Walmart, they show you, they give you the stuff to show you how to apply for food stamps and apply for benefits. If you're going to work in 40 hours, why should I, Martin McManaman, be paying towards your your employer should pay you to, to enough to eat, enough to eat, yeah. and enough to have some insurance, and enough to retire in in some kind of nice, decent fashion. It's not a big deal. And will it cost you a dollar or two more at the store? Probably. Really, you can't. If everybody's making it, it'll it'll come back to you. In the long run, you take countries like Australia. I was there in 1988. Uh, they had a, a, a minimum wage that was higher for 21 and over, and everybody got four weeks vacation from the day they started, and everybody had health care. England, same thing. Ireland, mm-hmm. the same thing. They have these programs, and they do need to be set here in America. They do. We need to get a realization that it's much cheaper, especially with health care. If everybody was on a uh, 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 federally funded health care, you might pay $5,000 a year. You're paying ten dollars to $20,000 a year for your crampy policy now. And Everybody so is your employer. Be your employer would be the one. I don't know why the employers didn't get on that right away. It's like, yeah. why should your employer? Here's another thing. When you go to the doctor, your employer gets sent your medical history. Yep. What the heck is that? He doesn't need to know what the heck is going on in your medical. It's It's a crying shame. And then people vote against it. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it you know both Roosevelt and Truman wanted to follow the the established uh, system that Germany had in place, which was the, their health insurance plan. But it was the American. I've been doing research on this this week. The American Medical Association, and that's and, and it became more of a, a enticement for workers in the United States if insurance came with a job, and then that became basically the universal policy. Employers and employees spend. We we were like sixty eight percent of. Uh, of who bought, supports and buys into the healthcare system, and then there's there's not a communication, not a transparency of how much the you know the insurance companies will get reimbursed and how much something costs. It's just like it, it's an absolute disaster of a system. So you brought up the country Germany. I was there a couple of years ago with the West Chicago sister cities. They gave us a great tour of, of all kinds of things, and I was so impressed by it. But the thing that impressed me most is I seen Germany as a country where the people tell the government what to do. The government tells the businesses what to do, meaning you have to if you're going to open a business, you have to have enough money to pay this guy a livable wage. You're going to pay into his retirement and you're going to pay into his health care. And otherwise, you're not opening a business, which is right. I mean, what? Otherwise, you're just slaves. So. Yeah. Come back to America now, and truly, the businesses run this country. The businesses tell the politicians yeah. what to do, and the 
they tell us. They tell the people what to do. It's not a, a government of the people for the people. It's a very sad situation, and, and it really needs some changing. And with Rupert Murdoch and Fox News just preaching from the pulpit, I mean, it's unbelievable how many people can listen to that trash and believe that it's true. And all the, I mean, every day it's just like, oh, the Democrats are this and the Democrats. Can you just say one thing you've accomplished? I, I mean, in all my life, in my life, and I'm 60 years old, I can't name anything the Republicans accomplished ever. I, I don't know one of their accomplishments. Do no. you probably know a lot? No. I don't know any. 773-763-9278. Tell us what they've accomplished. I know Earl is uh, in Hyde Park is on hold, so we'll take his call when we come back. We're hanging, hanging out with Martin McManaman of Wayne, Ta- Wayne Township Democratic Party. Uh, they serve DuPage, the DuPage towns of Bartlett, Wayne, Hanover Park, Carroll Carol Stream, St. Charles, and West Chicago. Go to WayneDemocrats.com. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now And we, yeah, thank you, Dan Levy. We are in studio with Martin McManaman from the Wayne, Wayne Township Democratic Party. And Earl from Hyde Park has been holding on for a bit. Hey, Earl, what's on your mind? Well, I think what I'm about to say might <clears throat> dovetail in into your first guest and this guest too at the same time. Uh, what's on my mind is as long as the Republican Party can get away with lying to its supporters, um, we're going to have this this conflict because there is no punishment for lying. As a matter of fact, it might even help you get elected. Exactly. Yeah, there's no accountability. It's it's exactly so. Um, so that was the observation I wanted to make to both of you because he was staying out in DuPage County. Uh, that's where he is from, right? DuPage. Yes. Did I get the right? Okay, out there, the stories that he hears uh, are unbelievable. I used to work out in that area. And uh, I I do know what he's talking about, but there's no consequence uh, for lying. And like I said, you often get rewarded and get elected. Uh, all right, Patty, thanks for taking my call. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Earl. Thanks for hanging in there. And I know Roosevelt wanted to share something. Hey, Roosevelt, what's on your mind? Patty, thank you for taking my call. Hey, back to uh, what you started to show with the uh, to Biden thing. Yeah. Uh, can he... You know, if he could sue, like, you know, this is going to continue with Trump because he's so stupid and and senile that he knows he's going to mention it sooner or later. He's going to revert back to Hunter Biden. Now, can he sue anybody? Because now are they libel because, hey, all this stuff was made up. They're running like chickens. I think that they oh, have. I was going to. I was going to ask Michael Stern the same question. I don't, I don't know if they're going to want to spend their time doing that. You have to pick your battles, and I don't know if that's when they want to fight. I'm talking about civil suit. I know. I, 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 I'll weigh in on that one a little. I thought it was so funny when they that they've lost their key witness in the Hunter Biden case, and a couple months ago he signed a plea deal. They it was done. Yeah, it was a done deal. Take the deal, guys. I'm sure it wasn't that great for him. You know, sure. Nobody gives away that that sweetheart a deal. Nope. Maybe they knew at that time the guy was lying, but you pushed and you pushed, and, and here we again, are. and now. This this other guy uh, who who they've just um uh, help me with the word um not indicted or yes. yeah the, the witness no the uh, guy who uh, the, what does he do is that a defense or head of 
security that they've just uh Okay, I'll skip it. Yeah, no, I don't know. There's so many stories out there. I don't know. Roosevelt. No, but they, they put the vote to one, and it lost the first time. And then they oh, just, Mayorcus. Yes, Mayorcus. Security. That's yeah. the, the man I, I'm talking. I mean, what a sad situation. Yep. Here's a guy who worked his butt off his whole life in public service. Let me tell you from being somebody who's in there for 10 years now, it's not easy. You do take a lot of grief. If your heart isn't in it, you shouldn't be in it. And you take a guy like Mayorkas, who just has been working his whole life at this. You know, he doesn't make any great money. He hasn't made any great profit from yep. it. Don't kid yourselves. And then you do this to him. I mean, that's the sign of public service. And the way you degrade people and stuff like Donald Trump. Who's going to run for office? You're just setting yourself yep. up to get worse and worse candidates that want to run. It's gross. I, it's, it's unbelievable. Roosevelt, thanks so much for calling. And I've got to run to the news, okay? Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Let's take a break. Here we come back. We're gonna, we're hanging out with Martin McManaman from the Wayne Township Democratic Party, and we're going to have Dan Schaefer on in just a moment after the news to talk about all things Wisconsin as well. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I feel like I'm bringing uh, parts of the uh, Illinois and Wisconsin contingencies together. We've got the uh, we've got we have Matt McManaman from Martin. Mark Martin. Sorry, Martin McManaman. See, it's too many M's, Martin. Martin McManaman from Wayne Township, a Democratic Party. On the phone with us is Dan Schaefer, where things have changed since we last spoke because the governor has signed in the new maps. How's it? How, How's everyone feeling in Wisconsin, Dan? It's a new day in Wisconsin, Patty. It's a new day in Wisconsin. We're all pretty excited about it. Uh, Yes, Governor Evers on Monday signed the new maps uh, that he proposed as as kind of uh, part of the process for uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ordered uh, process to get new maps for the state of Wisconsin. Uh, those new maps were signed on Monday. We're already seeing some ramifications of it, and it's, uh, I cannot overstate how big of a deal this is for the state of Wisconsin. Well, you uh, point out in, in uh, one of your posts the uh, Fox Valley might have its first uh, Democratic senator since 2012. Tell us a little bit about how that changes things in a swing state like Wisconsin. Well, I think, you know, part of what has been become especially clear in recent years is just how extreme the partisan gerrymander that Republicans have had the state under uh, for so long. You know, in our state, in our state assembly right now, 99 seat state assembly, there's 64 Republicans to 35 Democrats. And Wisconsin is not a state uh, that is that unbalanced as far as uh, as far as, you know, it's politics. You know, we see so many uh, statewide elections in the state come down to decimal points for the last six presidential elections decided by less than one percent. Uh, the closest U.S. Senate race we've had in the state in uh, more than 100 years. And so many of our statewide elections are so close, but that has not been uh, reflected in our politics in the state legislature because it has been so deeply gerrymandered uh, in favor of Republicans. And now with these new maps uh, that uh, Tony Evers proposed and eventually signed, these maps are going to bring a lot more competitive districts around the state. There's going to be a lot of different parts of the state that have uh, had only really only options to have Republican representation uh, will be competitive seats. You know, places like the Fox Valley, uh, western Wisconsin, northwestern Wisconsin, uh, places around the Milwaukee area suburbs that have been trending towards Democrats in recent elections. And so instead of that, you know, basically two-thirds supermajority breakdown uh, that we've had in the state legislature for so long, it's going to be much closer 
to 50-50. Now, whether they get there, uh, whether Democrats get there in this first election cycle, you know, that that's going to be a real test. Uh, but in uh, it, it is going to be an absolute seismic change uh, to see so many more competitive seats, so many more opportunities for Democratic representation in the state legislature in Wisconsin. That's exciting. And I know that you've written about uh, in the Recombobulation Area, by the way, folks. Dan Schaefer is the publisher and writer for the Recombobulation Area. And you can find his work on Twitter and subscribe to his Substack and support the work that he does. And you write about how this is a, a grass has been a grassroots effort. And, uh, you know, it, it, they're going back. Now, would you say like, you know, some of the folks I've talked to in Wisconsin, like our friends in Walworth County, I've talked to people who got involved because of Scott Walker and what he was doing to labor in Wisconsin and, and so many other issues that that, gal, that, that sort of radicalized them and, uh, and they got they, they woke up to like what was going on in Wisconsin. What, what's your sense of how the grassroots efforts have really come to fruition with this new map? Yeah, I think there are so many ways that you can see that uh, take place, whether it's, um, you know, like the labor movement, like that with uh, education, with uh, so many different issues up and down the state. But I think, you know, it's it, part of what I wrote about in that piece is that it has taken more than 13 years now to kind of unwind that one election in 2010 mm. when Scott Walker won the race for governor, when Republicans swept through the legislature. And they just happened to, it just happened to be an incredibly opportune time uh, for Republicans to seize power in the state. And so they had the Republican trifecta. They were able to put in the most extreme partisan gerrymander uh, that maybe any state legislature in the country has seen. And they were able to just kind of bulldoze the state for so long. And I think uh, it took a really long time for people to regroup and, and kind of reorient. And I think, you know, I, I look back to, to 2016 when, when Donald Trump won in Wisconsin. Uh, I guess you could say that uh, that left Democrats a little bit discombobulated uh, <laughs> right. after that one. Uh, in 2017, you know, there was a conservative Supreme Court just, state Supreme Court justice on the ballot who did not face a challenger when she ran for re-election. Uh, but since then, you know, it has been a sea change. Since then, Democrats and democratically aligned candidates have won 15 of 18 statewide elections. Wow. And three of those, I think, you know, of four, the, the state Supreme Court, uh, three by double digits, uh, again, in a state that has such such razor-thin margins, uh, to flip three state Supreme Court seats by double digits is a pretty remarkable achievement to, to you know, and then in 2018, uh, Tony Evers ousting Scott Walker, uh, 2020, Joe Biden winning in the state, and then, you know, all the way up to, to 2023 when Janet Protasiewicz uh, won just about a year ago uh, in the spring election to ultimately flip the, uh, the majority on the state Supreme Court. So I think it's a really a testament to the power of organizing, the power of sustained action and the power of voting in election after election after election. You know, I think this incremental change that has happened in Wisconsin over the past eight years or so is so significant. And I think uh, with the end of the gerrymander now, you know, we're going to be starting a brand new era uh, in the state of Wisconsin. And I couldn't be more excited to see what happens next. And does that uh, does that take effect immediately? Is this uh, do, when petitions go out? This is all based on the new maps. Yeah. So the the plan is this for to be to be in place uh, for the fall general election cycle. 
so that will mean August primaries and the November general election. There's kind of an open question right now as to whether it would apply to any recalls or special elections mm. uh, that might happen between now and and uh, and this fall. That's still kind of being sorted out. There was some a little bit unclear. Uh, language in the bill that passed in the state legislature about that. So I think that is still being clarified by the courts. But, yeah, this will be the plan is if there's no legal challenges to this. And that's, I guess, the big question mark of of any, you know, any big uh, any big change, whether it's going to withhold. Uh, withstand any any legal challenges that might come from from right wing organizations or anything like that. Uh, you know, I know there was some certainly some fear uh, among you know Democrats, those on the left, wondering if you know if it would be the best choice to to veto the maps and let the court draw them. Whether it was the right decision to have Evers sign the maps. Uh, I wrote a piece over the weekend at the Recombobulation Area about why I thought it was the best choice for for Evers to sign the maps. Uh, a lot of the, you know, kind of fair maps organizations that have uh, advocated at the grassroots level were also encouraging the governor uh, to sign the maps. So I think, you know, that the plan is for these to be in place. And this is going to be a real uh, brand new landscape for elections from the ground up in the state of Wisconsin. And I think these types of things, you know, can reverberate all through the state and all through the country. Wisconsin being the tipping point state that it is in presidential election. You know, you get more people voting in places like Sheboygan or Oshkosh or La Crosse or Eau Claire, uh, and you might have more people coming to support local candidates, and that's going to reverberate up through the top of the ticket, whether it's to reelect Tammy Baldwin, to reelect Joe Biden, whatever it might be. I think this is a hugely significant thing, not just for the state legislature, but for the whole state and for the whole country, really. Do you have a sense of what a new map will do for your U.S. representatives in the House? I know that two of your eight are are just Dems, right? Yeah, the, so the, the challenges that have taken place um, have been really focused on the state legislature, the, the congressional representation. There are lawsuits out there uh, challenging it as a gerrymander as well. Um, but in addition to that, uh, you know, but, but the, the state legislature has really been the focus. So right. whether the, the state Supreme Court has not said whether they're going to take the case uh, on the congressional maps. Today, Governor Evers said that he is encouraging the state Supreme Court to take action on the congressional maps. Timing of that might get a little tricky, um, but who knows? You know, I, I think it's probably more likely that any changes would be in place for 2026. Right. But. Again, it's uh, it's kind of anyone's guess right now. That is exciting times. Uh, go ahead, Martin. Yeah, just uh, I want to weigh in here. Hi, Dan. Martin McManaman from uh, Wayne Township in DuPage County. So I, I just want to, and we're much smaller. You're an entire state and we're just a county. But just something that I've seen when our county has changed over the last 10 years into more of a Democratic county, which now you have these maps. So you're going to, you will find these Republicans starting to take on Democratic issues because they know they can't get real elected without it. Um, in the township wise by us, all the townships in DuPage County are now starting, starting these mental health boards. Um, my township was very slow in getting, uh, doing anything about it, but they broke down and it's going to be on the ballot here in March. Uh, countywide, uh, just this last week, they signed for a million and some odd dollars to go to um, 
food pantries, wow. do, do, which is huge, uh, that they're going to give to these food pantries in DuPage County. And it went unanimously because the Republicans knew you better start signing on to these things because you're not going to get reelected if you don't. So you may not get every seat the first time, but you watch some of the things you're wanting to get done. They might just get done for you. So fair play to you and good luck on that. There you go. I like the, I like the, thing, the thought of that. Republicans actually doing something for the people of Wisconsin. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a great point. And I think, you know, p- people might characterize this as, oh, this is a win for Democrats or whatever. I think this is just a win for Wisconsin. It's a win for democracy. It's a win for representation. And I think there's been so many examples uh, in Wisconsin in recent years where policies that poll with overwhelming bipartisan support are ignored by the Republican majority, whether it's Medicaid expansion, marijuana legalization, paid leave, uh, sensible gun rights. And it's so many different things uh, that you can kind of look up and down the issues that Republicans have have acted like Wisconsin is this deep red state when we're really this purple state, you know, and I think I think that is a big reason why, you know, the the Supreme Court was flipped last year. I think that's a big reason why Tony Evers was reelected to to say to the you know Republican controlled state legislature that they have to start looking for positions that are actually supported by the majority of Wisconsinites. You know, so I think uh, I think overall this is just going to make for a much healthier political process in a in a governing body that has been incredibly toxic uh, for a very long time. And I think it also encourages more people to get involved. Those who were, as I mentioned, were woke up to what Scott Walker was trying to, and other Republicans were trying to get away with and, uh, and now are, are more invested, whether that's sustained and, and they find different issues to, to really uh, amplify. But I, I, you're right. I think it's, it's good, for the state, good for the state of Wisconsin. And to, to Martin's point about where he is, you know, in a place where there were a lot more conservative, uh, you know, outlets and entities and had a lot more control over it. I'm excited to see what happens in Wisconsin next. What do you, what else are you working on next, Dan? Uh, well, I'm certainly going to be diving into to what some of the ramifications of the maps are. You know, uh, one of the interesting things that, that is coming up through this is that, you know, the, uh, the, the, all of the assembly will be on the ballot for 2024, uh, but only half of the state Senate is up because it's four year terms. So, uh, the, um, uh, the, Assembly will be in play. I think there will be a realistic shot uh, for Democrats to flip the assembly this year. But I think while they I certainly project to make gains in the state Senate, that might not be in play until 2026. So I think it is, you know, I think what's happening now is part of the part of the longer story of Wisconsin is that you just have to keep voting and have to keep organizing an election after election after election. So I think you know, looking ahead at the at the state assembly, that's going to be, uh, you know, a big focus of mine. You know, at the recombobulation area, I am the only guy crazy enough to preview every last race on the ballot in the Wisconsin state legislature. Uh, last time I did that, that meant 117 races that I previewed. Uh, and uh, so we'll be certainly doing that again. We're taking a look at uh, the new landscape now to see. Uh, some new ways we can take a look at things, but I would certainly um, uh, encourage your listeners to to check that out uh, once once it's ready and uh, just to look ahead at. I think it's going to be a really interesting opportunity for uh, for Democrats to potentially flip the assembly and make 
Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, uh, the minority leader in the state of Wisconsin. Yes, please. Nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> well, I know it's short notice, but I forgot to tell you that I'll be in Kenosha tomorrow doing a fundraiser for uh, the candidate for first congressional district, uh, Lorenzo Santos. And we're going to be in Kenosha at the Wyndham Hotel doing stand-up comedy. If you, if you ever watch the show United Shades of America on CNN, the executive producer and writer for that show, Dwayne Kennedy, is performing with me tomorrow. So if you want a road trip to Kenosha, Dan, we'll be there tomorrow. Show's at 7. Sounds excellent. Sounds excellent. <laughs> Everyone, subscribe to the Recombobulation area. Follow the great work that Dan does. Support the work that he does. Uh, we talk. We can't say this enough. Local journalism is really uh, the play. What well, we need to be supporting and making because that we are a part of. Dan is a part of the change that is happening in Wisconsin. And it's so crucial for so many of our rights. Uh, you know, Dan and I both are tweeting about the uh, embryos in Alabama. I don't. We won't even get started on that, Dan. It's. <laughs> You know, the good news is uh, the Republicans will keep serving up crazy and uh, we'll be here every day to witness it. So we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan. Be well. Follow him on Twitter and subscribe to the Recombobulation area. We'll take a break here and continue our conversation on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal, and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Martin McManaman. He is with the title. You're with the... the I'm, I am the chair of the Wayne Township chair. Dems, and okay. I am the Wayne Township Highway Commissioner. There you go. Every job is important, and uh, Wayne's been telling us about how he has uh, been a part of turning that area into a, a solidly blue yes, township. it is turning that way. And that's the kind of work that our friend Jess Piper, the Dirt Road Dem, is doing in Missouri. Uh, a little bit heavier lift <laughs> where, <laughs> where, Jess is, uh, where Jess is hailing from. Uh, Martin, Jess, Jess, Martin. Uh, but I, I don't even know where to begin, Jess. I really don't. I can't. It's just so insane. I don't know. I, do you start with the embryos? Are people too? I don't know what's happening. Listen, Patty. I, I was just talking about this. That I mean, if they're going to say they're people, I say we take out however many eggs we have. What do we have? I don't know. Two hundred, three hundred, five hundred. I don't know. Take them out, put them in storage, and claim everyone as a defendant. Right. Yeah, if I can get child credit, if I can get child credit for yes. two or three hundred yes. embryos. Okay, wait a second. I like where you're going with this. Yes. work with the system. Work with it. Yeah. Well, there was a mom. If you and if you recall, when uh, when Texas over when Texas decided to ban abortion after the Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision, there was a woman in the carpool lane. They got pulled over, and she's like, "Well, but I'm pregnant, so technically there are two people in the car." Right? Heck yeah. Just work with it. I mean, what else can we do but laugh? This is absolute insanity, right? It's insanity. Every day you open up a newspaper, turn on the news, or God forbid, tweet. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a disaster. <laughs> it is. It, like you said, I laugh. and it, it, it makes people uncomfortable. This has been true my, my entire life. The more stressed I am, the more maniacally I will laugh. <laughs> At whatever is happening, and it's it's disconcerting. It's very confusing for folks because you know. In addition to this case in Alabama, where they are saying that, by the way, I did some research, uh, Jess. There, they estimate there's 1.5 million frozen embryos. Which, yeah, which, by the way, so yeah, because when they started doing this in the 70s, remember they didn't, wouldn't just take one or two. They were like, let's get 30 or 40 as long as we have right. her hopped up on these, uh, you know, on these hormones and and uh, you know, plucking the eggs. 
we it, because it doesn't always take. That's the risk right. with childbirth in the be- in any in any situation. You're not guaranteed. I get that those families are angry. Oh my God, I'm getting so mad right now, Jess. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I, I get the disappointment. I get the you know the, and get this. There are thousands, hundreds, like tens of thousands of people who just like basically like well, yeah, I'm not going to use them, and they stop paying for storage. But the clinics don't get rid of them because they don't know where they stand legally with that in case those people come back for their eggs. This is a mess, is all I'm saying. Oh, my God. It, it, it's a complete mess. And, um, you know, Republican lawmakers aren't helping us get out of that mess either. No, no. I'm just going to weigh in real quick yes. here. Um, what about the poor mother and father who are standing at the fraternity, fraternity clinic tomorrow morning and yeah. the doctor's telling them, listen, I know you've been waiting a long time and we were going to do this today, but with this new law, yeah. we're a little worried. Why don't you go back home? And the tears. And I, I mean, people who go through that, they spend tens of thousands yeah. of dollars to have that done. And and, and it's, a, it's quite an emotional uh, toll yeah. on them to, to get to the point to say, hey, we can't get pregnant. We're going we're, mm-hmm. we're gonna to try this. And now you're taking options away in the 21st century, and again, uh, to, to, to your first point, you know, let's sign them up. Do all these embryos have Social Security numbers? Right, I Jess. mean, maybe they need them. You know, yeah. maybe we should start giving it to them. Yeah. It, and it really does go to the, the point of the matter, is that this is not about life, because these people are trying to create life. They're trying to have children. This is this is anti-woman. This is, you know, anti-science. So all the things rolled up in one. And, you know, they're coming after birth control at the same time. And here's the thing that they told us, and I know that you know this well, Patty, when Trump was elected and we were all horrified, right, because we said, they're going to overthrow, overturn abortion. Yeah. They're going to do it. And they acted like we were hysterical, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and it happened. And now they're telling us we don't need tinfoil hats, right? They're telling us we're going to get rid of abortion. The Heritage Foundation yesterday tweeted out that they want to end recreational sex is what they called it. Recreational sex. Oh my God. Um, and they want to get rid of it because they want consequences for yes. sex. And listen, if you're having sex with a conservative man, that is consequence of that, right? I mean, you see nothing else. Yeah. But like, they literally, uh, laughing again, it's something awful, but that's what they're doing. They're coming for it. Yeah, I saw that. She said that she wants to, this woman said from the Heritage Foundation, they want to restore the consequentiality. I don't know if it's the way you say it. <laughs> Of sex. I'm like, if, if you have to really like see if that's actually a real word, then I know we're in stupid land. And and I was talking to uh, one of one of the producers here at WCPT about Project 2025, where they are yeah. laying out the the roadmap for what they want to do if Trump wins. And they're not saying if they're saying for the and they're saying the next president, the next conservative president. And it's like all the usual players, the the Heritage Foundation, the what are the all the justices? They're not the Heritage. They're uh, the Federalists, right? Federalists. The Federalists. All, all yeah. these, and then organizations from all over the country and and they're they're you know they want to eliminate the bureaucrats who are not loyal to the president they want to they want to they want to inf- what do they say inject Christian nationalism into our country. And when I say these things, like you said about abortion, and we were patted on the head and we were being hysterical, when you talk about these, it sounds like a conspiracy, but they're telling us that's what they're going to do. So it's not right. It's not. It's it's their actions, and and all we have to do is just read it. They're they are laying it out for us. Trump was dumb enough to tell us the whole time, and so I think these other people are like, hey, I mean, we can just line it out. Yeah. And and when they talk about. 
Christian nationalism, that is exactly what they want. And that is their push for that, everything from vouchers to abortion bans to book bans to attacks on trans kids and trans folks. It's all under that umbrella of Christian nationalism. Yeah, that's why the Constitution was signed with the, some one of the Jewish guys makes the big star on it, and and uh, you got a couple Muslim people in there. But yeah, it was all supposed to be done on Christian nationalism. It, it's beyond a joke what, what these people uh, actually think. You know, they they all say, "Oh, we were built on." No, we were not built no. on Christian values. The we Quakers came over here to start with, and and hundreds of years went by before they actually this country was going for about a hundred years or so before they ever wrote a declaration of independence or a constitution so they tried everything they had tried everything it wasn't like these forefathers were genius and they made sure they put in there that no religion would ever be that that was something that was tried and tested for a hundred years before these people actually wrote a constitution and said that you can't have any kind of religion in in government but of course, the Speaker of the House has that beautiful flag next to him because that's what oh they're, they're, they're trying to do right now. Even that flag itself is illegal, in my opinion. You know, yeah. but but this is this is what they're trying to sell their their religious beliefs. Which let's be for real, it's the 21st century. Science has definitely no, not had had its say. So uh, you got to be realistic and and. I guess you got to pick and choose, and they're picking and choosing some really weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for anybody who would like a rundown on this, it's called the, there's a book called The Founding Myth by Andrew Seidel, and it goes, it walks you through every single thing that the Christian nationalists say, and it debunks it with history and with law, and it's the perfect um, book for people who are like, I keep hearing this, and I don't feel like it's right. <laughs> You're like, well, it's not. <laughs> well, what would you say? Because if I, I, I've, I've been reading about like uh, the some of the origins of our healthcare system, and I'm like, well, this isn't something I want to get an argument. Like, I feel informed, but I'm like, I'm not going to whip this out for an argument because I, there's so many battles to fight. What are you find? I mean, what are you finding to be the most effective? Uh, I mean, on social media, of course, you're going to have people trolling and saying nasty things, <sighs> but I know I don't know. Uh, we often talk to Jess about how she paces herself and. Uh, <laughs> She's been out by her campfire sometimes when we when we have these talks. Um, you know, I mean, you know, what what are you going to focus on? What do you anticipate in the next you know eight, nine, ten months as we head into November uh, as the priorities? I mean, I, I think that abortion, but like, what are the things that you think is going to resonate most with people who are like maybe not going to vote or are on the fence still? I don't know how, but still there they are. Yeah, well, you know, yesterday, so Missouri is the first state uh, that has a complete ban, and we are trying to undo that by putting um, abortion on the ballot in 24. So, you know, I'm in the in, in the sticks, and I was in Idaho talking this weekend. I got off a plane, I grabbed a petition, and I headed out, and I had three events in three tiny little counties. And the women who were coming in were just breathless. They sat down, and they couldn't sign fast enough. And I told the story about this yesterday, but one woman stood up and she took out her phone and started texting. She said, I got to remind my Bible group to come and sign a petition. And I was like, oh, my God, she's reminding her Bible group to come and sign a petition to put abortion and to make it legal in Missouri again. And then I went to another county and I sat with a pastor, a woman um, who is very passionate about God and religion. 
and she signed it. And then the people who were coming in, of course, she knew all of them. You know, I don't know if they're from her church or from other local churches. That's the thing. That is the biggest thing that's happening in a lot of states, right, is putting abortion back on the ballot. And to to say that this isn't important to every woman is insane because I saw it. I saw these women. And, and they're not who you think they are. They're not the blue-haired liberals, right? They're the little old ladies in the Bible group. And these women are coming. Um, and that's that's going to be the thing for 24. All right. Yeah, I, 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 I believe it. I'm, I try not to get nervous because, I mean, even uh, people who say, well, you know, if things turn out where Trump isn't the candidate, it's Nikki Haley. You know, I could live with that. Only she came out in support. No. <laughs> no. No. No, I know. I, no. I just want to uh, add something I read about a week ago on one of the NPR um, news articles that I read. And it was about the abortion topic. And I believe it was in Oklahoma or some of It was Oklahoma and it was some of these other states. And the amount of women, it was like 80% of women that go in for an abortion in those states were sexually assaulted. And a lot of times... They don't want to say anything because it's family members and so on and forth. All they want to do is just get rid of this thing and get on with their lives. So you are double. You're double raping these women, really, when you tell them, hey, you can't get an abortion or you got. It, it, it's yeah. just a tragedy. People don't realize people do not use abortion as birth control. They just don't. I, they just don't. So if people right. get in a problem, what is the problem? That what has to be looked at. People are like, oh, it's not to save the life. Or it's just, hey, man, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. And really, it's none of your business. It is so none of your business. If there was ever going to be a new amendment to the Constitution, it should be the none of your business clause. Because there's a few things, and that's one of them. It's just none of your business. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, that's uh-huh. it's so insane to me. I'm sorry. I just came across something on your Twitter feed that the, the Missouri and the Republicans want to get rid of your state auditor now, too. Our friend Rob. That's that's actually in Iowa. And he is the only. Uh, oh, I was going to say. Yeah, he's the only statewide Dem elected. They have taken control. They don't want voters to vote in auditors anymore because there's a Democrat in office. So uh, like when when I talk about, you know, red states leading our policies bleeding everywhere. It's true. And I'm going to tell you, Alita was talking about Oberfell right now, which was the decision that, you know, allowed gay folks to marry. And do you want to know why Alita was talking about it? Why? Because there was, there was a case in Missouri that has been pushed all the way up to the Supreme Court. And when I tell you they are using red states as their playgrounds to get these cases and fast track them up to the Supreme Court, which is captured, which is corrupted, and now they can vote against gay folks, against trans folks, against women. That's why they're using our red states, and that's why I do what I do, right? That's why I try to get Democrats to run in the state, because it matters to everybody. It matters to you in Illinois, because gay folks that have had the right to to marry may not always have that right, and it came through the state of Missouri. Wow. Ah, yeah, that's uh, makes my just makes my skin crawl. What they're yeah, it's insane. I, I said my friend, uh, our friend Jerry, just messaged. Did you see Kaylee, uh, our friend Kaylee in Idaho, when you went? She got COVID, and I missed no. her. And I was, I know, I was so sad. We had two events planned to go to ACLU event, and then of course the one that I spoke at, and I didn't get to see her. I did see and meet her folks with her campaign. And they are amazing. And girl, you cannot imagine what they're dealing with in Idaho. Like it's a lot. 
Oh it's white God. nationalists. It's literal Nazis on school boards. Like it's uh, it's something. Yeah, we yeah. talked. We talked to Erin uh, Bain uh, yesterday from Tennessee, and she had been in Nashville. She's a state rep in uh, in Nashville. She had been there. I love her. Yeah. I know her. Yeah. Afton. Yeah. yeah. Afton. Yeah. I'm sorry, Afton Bain. And uh, yeah, she was talking about having the, you know these Nazis marching on uh, Nashville. It's absolutely insane that we're here and people are like. I, I think I've told you this. The, the good liars. I don't, I'm sure you follow the good yeah. liars. Yeah, and they show up at rallies and and all these. They, they interview people, and I think I don't know if they were in Iowa or Missouri. Did you see that that whole thread of uh, interviews where they said, "Would you rather have?" And it might not have been the good liars. I sometimes I conflate these, but uh, they were asking people, "Would you rather have four more years of Biden or a dictator like Trump?" And they all like it was a whole slew of people saying, "Well, you know, it's kind of like when you're young and you misbehave and you need a stern hand. Maybe it's time we have a dictator." Like literally out of their faces, they're saying this. Well, there a lot of those people are are fundamentalist, which a fundamentalist religion leads really well into you know um, a dictator, um, you know an autocrat, and also these people you know don't understand their own history, um, and and they're okay with it. It's it's hard to it's hard for a democracy, right? It's hard. We have to make decisions. We have to use our brain. We have to think. And when someone's telling you what to do, you can kind of just let it go. And these people are, they're all about it. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a book called uh, Don't Think of an Elephant that talks about this and how people are, you know, religious people or those who are just drawn to authoritarian voices. And uh, yeah. I, I guess Dems had to be the mom, the mom party. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, please don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't do those things. I'm, I'm right? just kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. You guys uh, brought up a point there about education and school boards and stuff. And right now, you know, you got states like Texas trying to start this voucher program. I mean, that is the beginning of the end of public education. That is just letting the rich kids get educated and anybody who is infilthly rich. And it'll only take a few years to get a few vouchers programs go and take all the money out of public schools, which don't have money anyway. You know, they're already struggling and next thing you know the rich people are educated and the rest of us are you know you gotta follow are you on yep. twitter are you on twitter martin i am not you gotta get a follow jess are you on facebook i am yes. good you can follow her I there will. too yeah because jess this is all in jess's wheelhouse yeah this is something she's fighting <laughs> hard say, he is teeing me up yes, yeah go ahead jess. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys illinois actually you guys last year said no more we're not doing this anymore and and your legislators stood up for public schools and got rid of the voucher program um and Jim General, they're almost impossible to get rid of. But what he's saying is exactly right. Um, it's a coupon for the rich. You can give me 20 vouchers. Doesn't mean anything because there is absolutely nowhere I could take my kids. We're in a town of 480 people. There is no one coming out here to open up a choice school. So we're left with defunded schools. Our teachers leave. Um, and it, it's the plan. I mean, there was they purposely defunded Missouri to 50th in teacher pay. Our starting teacher pay is $25,000 oh a year. Oh, my God. And we're 49th in educational funding. The state only sends 32% of a budget. And you can't, you can't manage that. And so, you know, the teachers are just, they come for one year and then they leave. The principals come for a year and they leave. And it's a revolving door and it impacts our kids, <clears throat> our school, their learning, everything. And it's on purpose because these rich folks, they can come in, they can start a school, they can do a pop-up. We're, it, you know, forget about 
separation of church and state. Like it's all there's only religious schools here, right? The, the people are sending their kids to. So it's a scam from the get go, and um, I know that your listeners know that. Yeah, yeah. We, we I I love the work that you do. Her her banner picture on Twitter is uh, no mo vouchers. Yeah. Well, it's straight out of the Republican playbook. I mean, yep. defund, don't give enough money to any programs, and then say, look how they don't work. You know, that is that is the Republican playbook. Hey, that school doesn't work. Look at it. They're not getting an education. The teacher made 25000 a year. You know these teachers. Even here where the teachers make a halfway decent buck, they're still pulling out of their pocket every day. And please, don't let anybody tell me that a teacher is underpaid. Hardest job you'll ever do is teach. Exactly. I, mean, I worked road construction my whole life poured concrete. Nurses and teachers got me beat a hundred times over and that's just a fact. You know? We're not going to argue with you. <laughs> Jess, it's always great to talk to you and I, and I want to tell you the same thing I told uh, I don't know if you follow Michael Stern. Michael J. Stern he's a former federal prosecutor. I have you guys on uh, every month and, so, and I love when I talk to a guest and they're like, oh I love Jess Piper. Because uh, we all do. Uh, if you have something you want to talk about and get off your chest or just want to talk to our audience, please don't hesitate. You don't have to wait for once a month because uh, I love talking to you but if, if there's a bee in your bonnet and you need uh, someone to share that with we're here for you just so you know girl i'm a gardener there's always a bee in my bonnet and i live in missouri it's, you know i love it constantly swarming me i, I appreciate you thanks for always letting me come on and talk and talk about rural issues that you know don't impact everybody but they actually do and i appreciate that you get that I, I, we, we want to do everything we can to help you and it's dirt she's the dirt road dem you can go to dirt road dem is it dirt road com is your website dirt road. Uh, um yeah yeah, the dirt road, uh, Democrat.com. And then, of course, I work for Blue Missouri, and I'm on every single social media app. Someone asked me today, they're like, why aren't you on LinkedIn? I was like, because I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. And it sounds like another app that I don't want to do. But <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I, I have one, but I don't, I don't know how to – I don't use it efficiently. How's that? Dirt, the dirt road, Democrat.com. Uh, learn more about Jess. Follow her on Twitter, on Facebook, and uh, catch her every month on the third Wednesdays here on WCPT, KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis as well. So we'll talk to you again soon. Pace yourself. It's going to be a long Thank year. You. But I don't think. You too. <laughs> I, I quit drinking. That might have been a mistake. I'll, <laughs> mistake. <laughs> mistake. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Take care. Uh, okay. See you later. Bye. See you later. Bye bye. When we come back, we have a uh, uh, Martin. While we were on, a uh, friend of ours that we met at the uh, show when I did it for Bobcat with uh, with the folks in Wayne Township. Uh, remember the guy who was inducted into the Softball Hall of Fame? Did you meet him while we were there? I might have. Yeah, we're going to talk to him because uh, tomorrow I believe pitchers and catchers are showing up for spring training. So I thought, what a great time to talk about softball too. Absolutely. All right, let's do that when we come back on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal and KTNF nine fifty AM Minneapolis St Paul. You're listening. To driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And I've been hanging out with Martin McManaman, who is the chair of the, Win- the Wayne Township Democratic Party. I met him a few months ago when I was out in Wayne Township uh, doing a fundraiser for Wayne Township as well as Winfield Township at Democratic Parties. I performed with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. It was a fun evening of uh, comedy and conversation. And one of the uh, folks that we met was a listener, uh, Mike, who had recently at the time. Time, been inducted to the Hall of Fame for the Softball Hall of Fame, 16-inch Softball Hall of Fame. Is that right, Mike? 
Yes, it is. Hi, Patty. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad you texted. I was like, he texted a few moments ago. I'm like, call in because I know, I believe pitchers and catchers are showing up for spring training tomorrow. I'm like, what a great time to talk softball. So, hey, Mike. Oh, it is. Yeah. Good to catch up with you. Now, let me ask Martin first. Martin, have you, do you play softball? Have you ever played softball? I I do not. You do not. I played softball as a child. As a child. But yes, not in any other capacity. So, I I never play, like, I've played 16 inch softball because that's what everybody else would play. Like, but I, I, it's just, it's hard. Mike, how long have you been playing softball? Well, I started as a kid too, but we our team has been together almost fifty years. What? Get out of here! Yeah. That is yeah. Wild. We organized we organized in nineteen seventy six when we were all uh, seniors in high school. Come and, on. Um, t- yeah, no, that well, that just shows you how old I am. Stop. <laughs> so, Stop. Yeah. So you guys are all seniors in high school. And I mean, because a lot of times you think, you know, you write in your yearbooks, you're like, you know, uh, we're, we're best friends forever. We're never going to drift apart and that kind of stuff. But you guys literally found a way to stay in touch and have fun and stay in shape and then get inducted into the softball hall of fame for you. So how, what, what, what? How did, okay. Who's, whose idea was it to, to play softball and, and form a team when you were in high school? Uh, one of my buddies just approached me. I, I knew him before this, and um, he said, hey, I'm organizing a team this year. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, yeah, count me in. I'll try out. And almost 50 years later, here we are. And where where'd you guys go to high school? We went to Oaklawn High School. Okay, so you're from Oaklawn originally. Is that where you live now? Yeah, I'm I'm from Oaklawn originally, but I live in Naperville now. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, so, okay, so what position do you play, first of all? Let me ask that. Um, I mostly pitched, but okay. I played almost almost all other positions when I didn't pitch. Uh, mostly outfield and some infield, but pitching was uh, my part was probably my my uh, position that I played most. Now, Martin, you said you played when you were a kid. Did yes. you, was there a position you liked most? Uh, not really. Not really, no? <laughs> you just play See, every position out in the back, out in the backfield. Gotcha. See, I played 12-inch hard softball. I played Little League Baseball, too, and I like playing the outfield. Uh, I, and I, but the thing about 16-inch, Mike, is that you can't use mitts, and I got little teeny tiny hands. How many times would you say you've dislocated your thumb? Um, my thumbs, I never hurt my thumbs. It was my fingers. Your fingers, okay. I dislocated several, yes, I dislocated several of my fingers, jammed them all. Yeah. That's just part, yeah, that's part of the game. No, I don't, <laughs> it's it's a well, and I have little tiny teeny hands. So tell us, like, what what is it about Illinois? Because Illinois is the sixteen inch Chicago, right? In particular, is a sixteen inch softball center of the universe, isn't it? I, I believe it is. I think it started. It originated here, and um, it never really caught on in any other part of the country. I, I I think there are other parts of the country where they have picked it up, but it, it just never really grabbed the hold the way it did here in in, uh, in Chicago. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing, and I don't I don't know what you know created that energy around it. Uh, so how do you find like do you did someone nominate you for the the softball Hall of Fame? Well, I I will say this: we were nominated as a team. Okay. I, I, I am not an individual inductee. I was uh, inducted along with my team. I think you have to be like Bob Surratt to be an individual that's inducted. You have to have that kind of that kind of a title or name recognition. So, what, first, uh, another question is, what's the name of your team? 
Our team is the Ironmen. I am giving a shout out to my softball team, the Ironmen. The Ironmen. All right. What made them decide yeah. on that one? Well, we we always liked the one of our one of the guys that we played with was um, and still is a big uh, comics book buff. Oh, and okay. We just took we just we just liked the Iron Man logo and nice. the Iron Man look, so we said, "Hey, let's use this logo." And we're probably breaking some copyright laws somewhere down the road, but <laughs> nobody we, tell. Uh, no snitches. Iron, we we picked Iron Man as our as our logo, and we just became the Iron Men. So. There you go. And so how many yeah. how how many new players have you had to, you know, recruit over the last cuz there's no way all of you are still playing since 1976. You know, no, not all of us, but I would still say the, the nucleus is still those guys That's right great. now and um yeah, we've you know, it's it's a family. We we go to all of the events, all the family events, weddings, all our kids are married, Aww. all of our our wives hang out. It's really a a, a close-knit group. And it's been that way forever. I love it. I um, love so, it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great. We're, we're just a big family. So, so I would say, if I, if I had to do over again, I probably would have figured out some way to stay in touch with my friends. It's just a brilliant way to stay in touch with your friends, have a common interest. And when do you guys start up playing again? Actually, I haven't played in several years. It's okay. been a while since I played. I, I'm 66. I'm I'm like that's it for me. I, okay. I can't do it no more. But um, there are the kids. Some of the some of the uh, kids from our guys are still together. Nice. And even yeah, even uh, a couple of the guys are still playing. There's a few of the few of the guys, a few of the original guys that are still playing to this day. But I I called it quits several years back. Outstanding. Well, congratulations to you and the well, Ironman. Thank you. Yeah, really incredible that story. Is, it's a huge, it's a huge honor for me. It's, it's. I, I'm just deeply honored to be part of this group. It's a special, it's a special group of guys. And we do have. There are guys on the team that are individual honorees that have been uh, that are uh, Hall of Fame members just by themselves. So we play with some good guys. We got a good team. We had a good team. Well, it sounds like you all have a great heart and uh, and just really congratulations again. And it was great catching up with you, Mike. I look forward to seeing you at another event. I'll be there. Thank you, Patty. I'm looking forward to the event in St. Charles. I'm going to try and make that. Outstanding. All right. Have a good night, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Thanks, Patty. Take care. Take care. Uh, we got about a minute left here, uh, Martin. So what do you want to let folks know about the hey, work that I, you guys are doing up in, uh, in... I would like to give a shout out to some of these uh, primary candidates yes, out please. there in DuPage County. Uh, Liz Chaplin running for uh, recorder. Uh, Jeff Jacobson running for coroner. Um, uh, Joe Heddle running for appellate court judge. We have um, Chantel Porter, who is in a race against a rhino, or I'm sorry, a dino, somebody pretending to be a Democrat. Democrat. Uh, Leah Stenson is also in Naperville area running for district court judge against somebody pretending to be a Democrat. And Jennifer Barron also out there in the Naperville area running for judge. These are all important races. Do not skip the primary just because we don't have a presidential in there. Please, if you live in DuPage County, support these people. They really are your best choice to, for, for all around good government. Um, like I said, very important races. Thank you for letting me do yeah. that shout out. I and appreciate we, we, it. We uh, welcomed uh, Judges Porter, uh, Stetson, and I, and oh, we had and, them all three in the studio. Excellent. Fantastic excellent. conversation. Yes. Really incredible women. And I, I could not. And Liz, we know Liz is a chaplain as, yeah, yeah, so as well. Good, good, so yes. all tremendous candidates. And we'd love to have you on again. Uh, Anytime. And, and just thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us again. Martin McManaman, the, uh, the, from Wayne Township Democratic Party. He's the chair as well as 
is the highway commissioner. The highway commissioner. Don't forget, Rick Geezer also running for committeeman of of the Forest Preserve. So I believe that was on your. I can't remember if it was on your list, but yes, he, he is. He is. Excellent. That's not a primary, but yes, he primary. is running Both, for the. Yeah. Yes, Make sure definitely we support him. Safe travels home, my friends. Uh, by the way, before I go, Monday night we have a great conversation coming up that you want to be a part of. We're going to have Dr. Barry Maurer, uh, PhD of Central Florida, to talk about how Trump supporters suffer from induced delusional disorder. So make sure you're stay tuned for that conversation on Monday. Bye, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us. Alejandro, have a great night. Devil's Advocates are up next with, with uh, uh, Mike Crute and Matt McNeil after that. And don't forget, wake up with Richard Chu and choose views. Bye, everyone.